Hello and welcome to the Daily Zen podcast. My name is Charlie Ambler, creator of Daily Zen. Daily Zen lives at thedailyzen.org, twitter.com slash dailyzen, and now patreon.com slash dailyzen, which is a premium add-on to the regular Daily Zen site where I post a weekly extra essay and an extra podcast. It's for people who are interested enough in the subject matter to subscribe and become a supporter of Daily Zen. So if you like this stuff, I suggest that you become a subscriber. It is um, also a place where I'm hoping to foster some more intellectual and in-depth discussion than just on Twitter, because it tends to be a lot of noise and or very surface level discussion that occurs on Twitter. So some of the discussions that are starting to occur on the Patreon are are significantly more in-depth and more interesting than what I've seen on Twitter. The goal being to create a sort of sangha or community where everyone can contribute their own sort of long-form thoughts and feelings without having to feel the sort of public scrutiny or attention that they feel on other platforms. So if you like this podcast, please become a subscriber. Um, But without further ado, we will get to today's topic, which is expectations, how they work, how we create them, how they relate to our meditation practice, why we um, should be aware of our expectations and how we formulate them and what they're really about. To start with, I think exploring the idea of attachment and how it relates to expectation is interesting because in Buddhism, for example, attachment is very closely linked with suffering. They're very intimately related in the Four Noble Truths that states that all suffering comes from attachment um, and that the the practice of the path is essentially the way of the cessation of suffering through the negation of attachment. So in Buddhism we're not becoming detached and we're not becoming unattached but we're learning to moderate our intentions and our attachments in such a way that we can find a certain balance in our lives and not get rid of suffering but minimize it to the point where we can enjoy ourselves in the brief time that we do have to do so. So in terms of expectation, it's interesting to think about attachment because expectation is very closely related to time. We like to plot out our time and plan in increments as small as you know the, the, the next few minutes or hours or days, and then we also like to plan very far ahead down the road, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 5 years, whatever. And when we link our attachments to time in this way, and we remember this idea that attachment causes suffering, we can think of the way that we formulate many of our expectations as creating a sort of bargain in which we prevent ourselves from being happy more for, for even more time than if we were just attached to simple things or people or pleasures or whatever. So expectation, while a necessary part of living, is also a very, very dangerous form of attachment that can take over our entire lives and sort of imprison us and make it very difficult for us to both enjoy things that happen in the present and attend to the important things that we have to do in order to get what we actually want from our expectations. Uh, The irony being that the more time we think about the future, the less time we have to devote fully to the present, which prevents us from having the future we want very often. Many people live in a fantasy world or plan their lives around certain expectations that are the same sort of inventions that we try to avoid in Zen where we have some sort of highly subjective or 
um, what I would call delusional ideal about how the world works or, or what our place is in it and how we're supposed to get there. And we formulate our realities around that external attachment, that subjective definition of what we are, what is in life. And as a result of doing that, we sort of create this entire system of false thinking and delusional thinking that causes us to act in strange ways. It causes us to do things that are against our better interest, even if they seem like they're in our better interest. And we can see a lot of this as coming from expectation. So if you keep your expectations low and you allow yourself to devote yourself fully each day to what you have to do, to the things that you care about, the things that bring you joy, not necessarily the things that bring you a lot of pleasure or very intense experiences because you don't want to overdo it. But if you can kind of find a sort of balance each day, doing both the tasks at hand and enjoying life instead of saying, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to suffer for this long for this thing and then I'm going to achieve it and I'm going to be happy and then I'm going to find something else to suffer for and then I'm going to achieve it and I'm going to be happy. That's sort of making a bet with ourselves that we're okay being unhappy 90% of the time just so we can feel good the 10% of the time we're reveling in our various achievements, which, you know, everyone is free to do as they wish, but that doesn't seem like a very balanced way to live. And it causes a lot of people a great deal of difficulty and suffering because once they, once they trade their, their contentment and their mindfulness and their happiness for some sort of future goal and they arrive at the goal and find out that it wasn't what they thought it wasn't what they expected and they're disappointed they realize that they've just been suffering the whole time and they've been causing themselves and maybe even other people to needlessly suffer the entire time so this is why i think it's important to keep our expectations low it doesn't mean detaching ourselves from life but it means understanding that there's a certain natural flow and a natural rhythm to life that we have been participating in since we were born and will participate in until we die. And if we take everything that has culminated into this moment, everything that we've experienced, everything that we have, everything that we have to do, and we do what we can do each day, that ends up, in my experience, culminating in a much more interesting, surprising, and fulfilling future than adhering to some sort of rigid expectation of how we want the future to go first and then formulating our lives around that. Uh, because the nature of things is not static like that. It's not so easy to try to control. I mean, saying that we that we can adequately make plans for the future is kind of like saying we can control um, you know, the weather or that we can change the laws of gravity or change the way the wind blows or something. It's very, we're, we're going up against something that's significantly stronger than us, which is time. And that's really the biggest problem we confront when we face this idea of the subjectivity of our expectations and the subjectivity of our attachments and desires. And the more fervently we believe that we deserve to be rewarded for whatever we're doing, or we deserve some sort of future payoff for our suffering now, the more entrenched we get in the cycle of suffering for a future payoff. And honestly, in my experience, the less beneficial the future payoff becomes because if we think about it if we're if we're only allowing ourselves to be happy by suffering we're pretty much making a pact with ourselves that we're going to suffer forever needlessly and and only experience happiness after we feel we've adequately suffered it's some sort of it's this kind of strange masochistic tradition that we have in modernity rooted maybe in some sort of um 
some sort of perversion of Christian theology that people really believe that they need to force themselves to suffer and to to toil away for so long so that they can feel um, like they've paid their debts enough to in order to feel good. The irony being that the the good feeling that comes is our own choice, and we can access that at any time. And if we can learn to appreciate each day for what it for what it's worth, you know, some days are boring, some days are shitty, some days are great, some days are full of uh, problems and obstacles, some days are full of achievements and kind of reveling. But if we can learn to just appreciate each day and accept each day for what it is, and flow naturally with the principles that apply best to that specific situation or our deepest awareness of what our principles are personally, we find a lot more intrigue in life than if we try to formulate our lives afterwards according to some sort of internal ideal. So the it's sort of a weird discussion because the thing that we usually talk about with attachment is instead of instead of attaching yourself to things in the external world, withdraw into yourself, uncover what your deepest awareness is and what your truth is. And then only after you've meditated for long enough and and can understand yourself and your life enough, can you adequately act in the world? That's the general lesson that I try to teach when I teach about Zen, because Zen literally just means meditation. It means the, the practice of retreating into the self and sort of uncovering those truths within yourself and then applying them to the outside world. Instead of taking principles from the outside world and applying them to your inner life and trying to conform to something outside of yourself. It's more about following whatever sort of inner pull you feel and, and cultivating that spiritual sense of self. But when it comes to expectation, it's fascinating because if we don't know ourselves and we go into ourselves and we cultivate these various desires and attachments, we go out into the world with a highly delusional and highly irregular way of perceiving things, and that causes us trouble. So the thing is that it's a slow-moving process. It's not like you can just suddenly take your attention that's, that's aimed at the world and that's aimed at all these attachments and desires and fears and goals and worries and turn it inward suddenly. It's a very slow process, which is why it's very important for us to meditate each day and to make it a lifelong practice. But over time, I think what happens is the impulse to grab at stuff in the external world in order to make us happy starts to fade. And we start to realize that when we turn our attention inward and we understand ourselves and we get to know ourselves and we listen to ourselves, the knowledge that comes from that allows us to go into the world and interact with it in a, in a peaceful and a balanced way instead of this greedy or crazed uh, attached way. And in reference to in the relevance to expectation specifically is that when we, when we meditate and we cultivate this sense of our true self and we overcome the ego and we start to understand better who we are, what actually makes us happy, what we're grateful for, um, we understand how to be compassionate. We understand how to act in the world in a mindful way. We understand how to get what we want without being so craving and so so crazed about it. And as a result of that practice over time, we're able to exist in the external world, interact with it, be attached to things, set goals, set expectations, have aspirations, have relationships, whatever, with a a newfound wisdom that's constantly renewing itself through this daily practice of meditation. 
and it's sometimes it's highly unremarkable sometimes it's deeply remarkable almost in a religious way sometimes it feels like we have to talk about it sometimes we want to keep it to ourselves but the important thing is to remain consistent with it to practice daily to begin this dialogue with yourself that that becomes a habit the way that brushing your teeth or taking a shower becomes a habit so that you realize and you start to understand on a deeper level how you're being drawn and guided by your various false thoughts and delusions throughout the day. I think of uh, many people that I know who they're very hardworking and they're very goal, you know, goal-driven and aspiring to achieve various things. But that desire to achieve in a lot of people, especially young people, comes from a sense of dissatisfaction. It comes from looking at one's life and saying, I don't want this, I want something better. And as a result, there's a certain fervency and a certain immediacy that, that starts to take hold, almost like a desperation about the future. And with that desperation comes this fantastical planning and this assuming that things are going to go precisely as we plan because we think they have to. We think, oh, there's no way that I can't achieve my goals. You know, there's no way that these things aren't going to work out. And we start to, it's almost like going to Vegas and taking our happiness in chunks and putting it onto the table and saying, okay, you know, maybe this time, this time it's going to, it's going to go, this time it's going to go, this time I'm going to win you know, I'm going to take this much happiness, I'm going to take two years or five years or six months of my life, and I'm going to trade it for this potential payoff. And because of the way that we plan ahead and the the way that it's delusional, because it's so focused towards our own needs and our own goals, and it doesn't take into account this deeper, this deeper holistic balance of the world, we lose every single time we place those bets. Because it's just there's no way for the world to perfectly conform to our every wish um it just it isn't how things work and so if we can allow our wishes to to manipulate themselves and to evolve in accordance to our experience and in accordance to this evolving understanding of the truth that we experience when we meditate and when we practice and when we engage with the world mindfully we can be constantly shifting what it means to achieve what it means to have expectations in such a way that we're rewarded just for for participating because we can go with the flow we can be like water as i like to quote what bruce lee used to say and and go with this this natural cycle of life instead of trying to resist it through these highly subjective goals um there's no there's no reason to put off your life until a later date because you have some sort of expectation of how things are going to go because even if things go that way you're going to be behind in your own experience of yourself you're going to be behind in your own experience of the world and you're you're going to lose your orientation you're going to lose your balance um, if we think of it as like a balance beam I, maybe i have the olympics on my mind but um, if we think of it like a balance beam and the, the purpose being not to just get across it but to navigate it in a in a nuanced way in a unique way in accordance with our own um, awareness of what we're doing and our own uniqueness and our own sense of, of purpose in the world. It's sort of this, you know, Alan wants like to say that the spirituality is like a dance. It's like a dance with yourself where you're, you're not just kind of wandering through the world. You're, you're appreciating this, this momentary unfolding of everything and you're allowing yourself to express that. Um, and so if you think about this, this, silly balance beam <laughs> analogy that I'm doing. Uh, 
it's, you know, a lot of people spend their time off the balance beam, looking up at it, having all these theories and these, these conceptions about it. And they paralyze them. They don't allow them to do anything. They, they keep them sort of locked in this cycle of expecting and not having and expecting and not having and being attached to things and not getting them and just kind of generally feeling dissatisfied and confused about life. But if we take that, that leap of in, inner faith, I guess, and get on and just start doing what we have to do and learning through failure and learning through experience and not focusing so much on the end goal, which is, you know, getting off the balance beam, but focusing on the, on the, uh, the movements and the, the things that we have to do in order to achieve what we want, not because we want to achieve it, but because that's what makes life feel interesting. That's what makes the dance, the dance, you know, that's what allows us to feel joy most of the time, not the grand achievements. It's the, the way we do things and the way we experience each moment that brings us joy ultimately, instead of this strange bargain where we're trading our time for a potential payoff later on. That just doesn't make any sense. And the second we start to reflect on it and think about it, we realize it doesn't make any sense and we go, oh, okay, you know, I should reorient my life in such a way that allows me to go with this natural flow of things. And so finally, in, in summation, I guess, going with that flow is what you're doing whenever you sit. Whenever you cultivate that inner awareness and that sense of of your true self and you overcome the ego and you try to experience reality for what it really is instead of for how you want it to be you align yourself with nature you allow your you align yourself with the Tao as it's called uh, with this sort of deep flow that exists beneath everything instead of aligning yourself with these delusional projections of yourself and your ego and what you want because aligning yourself with things that are false will cause you a lot of suffering in the world because it's not easy to be wrong all the time it's not easy to think you're right and to go through the world thinking you're right meanwhile you know nothing is going your way because the way you're seeing things and the way you're acting in response to the way you're seeing things is totally wrong and so this reflection allows us to reconnect with this sense of inner truth this this sort of intuition and this spiritual sense of gratitude and humility that lets us navigate without that that delusional egotistical bent on everything and without that masochistic sort of trading of of present contentment for future um for some sort of future goal because that's a form of egoism too it's this weird there was this i don't know it's some sort of strange religious perversion where we think that that trading our that, that if we suffer now we'll be happy later but and we think that there's some nobility in that but there's not any any nobility in that because um we could you know die tomorrow for all we know and there's no point in putting off what you can experience now in terms of contentment and peace you know there's no reason to put that off um because many people just keep putting it off and keep putting it off and then life's over and it's you know it was never achieved and it causes it causes a lot of problems it causes a lot of tension in the world and conflict and if we can learn to access that inner peace without having to create all these conditions and all of these expectations and all of these attachments to the external world we can go through life um more simply and more confidently and with a, a greater sense of purpose and a, and a greater sense of joy than if we constantly set these conditions and these expectations for how we want life to be. So yeah, I think maybe that's just a good thing to meditate on today, to think about in your practice. Um, feel free to respond to this in any way you choose. And if you liked this episode and you like what I do with Daily Zen, please become a Patreon subscriber. It helps me put more time into the site. I run a second 
business. Uh, that's my main job, so to speak. And um, I often am short on time, as you may notice. So um, the more support I have for Daily Zen, the more it sort of inspires me to to, uh, to put more time into it and to keep working on it. Because I've been doing it for almost 11 years now. So to everyone who's a new listener and a new reader, thank you. And to everyone who's an old listener and an old reader, thank you. And I will be back next week.